0: Worrying is contagious, and as parents, we can have anxiety about many things, especially when it comes to our children. Sissy Goff, who is the Director of Child and Adolescent Counseling at Daystar Counseling Ministries, is here today to discuss characteristics, strategies, and techniques to help us process our worry and anxiety in a healthy way, rather than passing it on to our children.
1: We all know that parenting is hard work and life can get busy. We've done the research to help you. So let's dig deep with Leanne Mancini and work together to help you raise strong Christian kids.
0: Hello and welcome back to Raising Christian Kids. Today I have Sissy Goff on the show and she has worked as the Director of Child and Adolescent Counseling at Daystar Counseling Ministries since 1993. She speaks to parents and children's ministers across the country and is a frequent guest on media outlets such as Southern Living, NBC Nightly News, CNN, Good Morning America, Focus on the Family, That Sounds Fun, Family Life Today, Fox News, and many more. Sissy Goff is the author of 13 books, excellent books I might add, including her latest, The Worry-Free Parent. She co-hosts the Chart Topping Raising Boys and Girls podcast with fellow Daystar counselor, Dave Thomas. And we've had Dave Thomas on the show before, so I hope you'll check out that episode interview. He is equally excellent. Welcome to the show, Sissy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so delighted to be with you. Well, we're so happy to have you. I have to say, Daystar Counseling Center is is just Amazing. The products that you're putting out between you and David and, and maybe the other people that you have working for you. I, I haven't seen any of their resources, but I know between you and David, you really cover the gamut of problems that parents have with raising children and, and helping children and helping families. So I'm, I'm just so excited to have you on the show today. But now more than ever, technology and social media are taking over our children's lives. It's just mm-hmm. horrific. And you did a great job addressing this issue in your book, Modern Parents, Vintage Values, which you wrote a while ago. And you you also addressed the worried and frantic parents in your book, The Worry-Free Parent. Between the two books, it seems like a logical progression. 13 years later from your first book, it hasn't gotten better out there with the media. And in fact, it's gotten worse. Is this one of the reasons why you wrote The Worry-Free Parent?
1: It certainly is. I think technology, if we were going to come up with a list of the top 10 worries or things that are plaguing parents today, I think technology would top the list. In fact, it's funny, I used to teach a parenting seminar locally, and I would take a group of kids to do a question and answer time. And I would say eight years ago, the number one question they were asked about was talking to your kids about sex. Today, it's technology hands down, because I think it feels so much more pervasive in our daily lives of how do we equip kids? What can we do? It's it's very anxiety provoking for all of us. And I think it's not just their lives, it's ours. It's impacting all of
0: us. Absolutely. And in your book, you state that parents have four characteristics that could negatively influence kids to grow up with anxiety because this media saturated society is causing tremendous anxiety in children and isn't it like one of the number one things kids are committing suicide is this pressure that they're getting through social media. And can you explain what these four characteristics are that parents have and how that can yes. negatively affect their children and how parents can overcome them?
1: Yes. It's definitely one of the things I talk about in the new worry-free parent book. And in that book, I talk about how anxiety does its best to define our past to distract us in the present and to defeat us in the future when we're not even there yet. And so there are all these parts of our own growing up that have impacted us that are carrying that over anxiety is the number one mental health issue among kids and among adults. So it's impacting all of us. And research says that often anxious parents do have these four characteristics. Now, I would say not all. And not all parents have all of them, but we can lean that way a little bit. So they're overly cautious of the world. They're critical and set unreasonably high expectations. Now, I think most of the time, anxious parents that I know are setting those expectations for themselves. They're most critical of themselves. And I believe, at least this is true in my life, I can't be that critical of myself without some of the criticism spilling over onto the lives of the people I love. And so I, I see that happen sometimes with parents. They're also either emotionally insecure or dependent themselves, or they're not processing, they're suppressing their own feelings. And so it's kind of shooting out sideways as anxiety. any of those four issues, it is easy to have when just parenting in general. And so that can kind of end up anxiety spreads over to the kids we love and so that's part of how it impacts them.
0: That's same theory more is caught than taught, right? We say that so often. Yes. Yes. And if we have anxiety and we exhibit anxiety, our kids see that and they feed off of that. It's yes. it's very it's something that we as parents do have the ability to con- to control. We just have to work on whatever problems we have and seek the help that we need.
1: I'm so glad you said that because I'm seeing more parents today than ever before who are saying, I'd rather spend the money on counseling, helping my kids than helping myself. And I would say the number one thing you can do as a parent is to help yourself first, like the oxygen mask mentality on an airplane. Because if they're, if we're not healthy ourselves, we're never going to equip them to get there. And so I think that's definitely where we want to start.
0: Could you list those four characteristics again, please, that can negatively influence our kids? Yes.
1: Parents who are overly cautious of the world, who are critical and set unreasonably high expectations, who are emotionally insecure or dependent themselves, or who suppress expression, who are not expressing feelings and who aren't self-assertive themselves.
0: Wow. That's really great. I think a lot of us can say that we fall into those categories sometime or another, probably. But if if you're finding you're having problems with any of those, really seek help. As Sissy has stated, that's so important. What are the two most common coping strategies for anxiety and why are they not working?
1: Well, research says that many parents will lean towards two strategies, primarily, which are escape and avoidance. So If you're watching your child in a distressing situation, of course, it feels like good parenting to step in and rescue them and pull them out. When in fact, in all my research, I came up with this definition for anxiety that anxiety is an overestimation of the problem and an underestimation of ourselves. And so if we're pulling kids out of a distressing situation, we're reinforcing that definition. You're right. It is too big. You're too small. You can't handle it without ever intending to. And we're also ending up causing ourselves to escape and avoid hard things. When kids need to learn to do hard things and for us to work through our anxiety, we're going to have to do the hard things too.
0: Wow, that's great. I love that. And it's so true. And can you tell us about mindfulness and what is the three-door technique? How can parents and kids use this as a coping tool?
1: Yeah, so mindfulness is basically learning to be present where we are. It sounds hokey and I think for a lot of Christians, it can sound kind of scary, but that's the reality of what it means, being present to our circumstances, which is what so much scripture directs us toward anyway. And three doors is a technique I use with kids a lot who are having trouble sleeping, and I use myself. We can do it as adults. And so what you do is you pick three places that you love and feel really safe. And so it could be, you know, your grandparents' old house. It could be a summer camp. It could be anywhere. That you love and know really well. And anything sensory related helps draw us out of that anxiety because it's anchoring us to the present. And so basically with kids, I'll say, what I want you to do is lay down and close your eyes and pick the first door and go in that door and look everywhere from your left to your right. Tell me everything you see, everything you hear, everything you smell, even. And they walk through the first entire location from a sensory standpoint thinking about it in their minds, if they're laying in bed with a parent, talking it out loud, come out of the first door, do the same with the second, all the way through, out and in with the third. And most kids will say to me, I fall asleep before I ever make it to the third door because it's a place they feel safe. They know well, they're focusing on the, all the sensory data. And so that can be very calming for them and a way to practice mindfulness.
0: I love that. I use that uh, about... I don't know, maybe five days ago, I was having a hard time sleeping. My mind kept racing, thinking what I need to get done, what I need to do. It wasn't so much anxiety. It was just my mind would not shut off. Mm. And so I did your three door technique. And you're right. I think as I got towards like the second door, I was starting not even to see what was in that room. Yes. Because I started falling asleep and then I fell asleep. So I love oh, that. Oh, that's awesome. I love that technique. And could you please share what five things can you teach your children to do when anxiety takes over besides the mindfulness? What are the other five Mm -hmm. things?
1: So we would start with noticing the negative, noticing the negative thoughts that can be really intrusive for any of us more anxious. Then we would give that thought a name. So with kids, I call it the worry monster, the worry whisperer. Parents, we can do the same thing. We could call it Critical Callie, you know, there's anything. We could give it a name so we start to recognize it. And when we name it, we reduce its power. And then we want to be a good thought detective. Is that true? Does that really happen every single time? Am I really the worst parent that's ever hit the planet? That we kind of follow the thread to be a good detective. Then we want to replace the negative thought with truth. I'm anxious. Even I'm frustrated because I care about my kids. I want good things for them. Or do not be anxious about anything, but with everything, with prayer and petition, take our requests to God. You know, we can go back to scripture. Stop being so hard on yourself. That is not helpful for any parent ever. And so to replace those kind of harder thoughts with gentler, kind kinder thoughts, and to remember that God loves us and believes in us in those moments too.
0: It reminds me that we're to take every thought captive.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: And a lot of the times I think our worries are... are... Because we tend to go off the deep end worrying about stuff that either hasn't happened or we think will happen or has happened and we have no control over it. Worrying is something that we can control. Wouldn't you say that?
1: Yes, absolutely. We can't control the thoughts that come into our mind, but we can control what we do with them. Just like you talked about taking every thought captive.
0: I love that. And name it, find out what it is. Is it true? What you're worrying about? Is it true? These are all great points, and you have so many more great points in the Worry-Free Parent book that you've written. I hope our listeners will go out and get a copy of this book. I know you will not be disappointed. As I showed Sissy before we started the interview, I have all kinds of little sticky notes sticking out all over this book, and I plan on going back and reading some of those important things so that it sticks in my head so that I can share it with others as well. Thank you, Sissy, for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so fun. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we end our discussion today?
1: I would just say to all parents listening, you're doing great. The fact that you would invest your time in listening to a parenting podcast means you're doing a great job on this road of parenting.
0: Yes. And speaking of parenting podcasts, you have a really great one. Could you share that title also of your podcast?
1: Yes, it's called Raising Boys and
0: Girls. Love it. Thank you, Sissy. Thank you. So good to be with you. And this is how we all work together to raise strong Christian kids.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can
0: now be heard on the Edify app.